Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode number 18 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. the Globex Guru. And I'm here with my mischief-making co-host, former market maker of 20 years, a man who sees the market more clear than the lagoon I bathe in. The, the degenerate whisperer prevents the, the most accounts blow-ups in all of retail trading. A man whose soothing voice is highly sought after in the meditative audiobook industry. I'm talking about JJ. JJ, how's it going? Good, Ray. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. And um, you know, I'm excited for our guest today. Uh, man who comes from humble beginnings. Began his career in the mailroom of a brokerage firm. A man who is now chairman to Solar Tech Window and Renovacare, a commercial real estate titan. Mentor to JJ, uh, the one who coined the gorilla nickname, aka Moose. I'm talking about Harmel Wright. Harmel, how's it going? Good day. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, man. You know, just really grateful you joined us. You know, it's nice to get to know somebody uh, on here who knows JJ from his time in Vancouver. You know, he's told us so many stories of what's gone on. And, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, you know, and so it's good we got someone on here who can corroborate some of these stories of, you know, the wild penny stock promotion days. What was it like back then? Is that for me, that question? Yeah, that's, for, that's for you. Yeah, that's for you. <laughs> well, I wasn't involved in a wild penny stock promotion, so that's why I hesitated to respond. But, <laughs> so I'm not sure where, where that came from. No, he was, he was actually, you know, the thing, the thing with Harmel and I was we were, we weren't, we're not degenerates, but we were always degenerate adjacent because Vancouver, you know, had a fair number of what we'd call rounders. So I, I think what he's talking about is what was the atmosphere like back then? Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> now we're going back a long way. Long way. When, when did I first meet you? In the 90s? 1994. 1994. Gosh. Yeah. Long time ago. You were uh, you were in the CIBC building, yes, and yes, yes. Um, you were known as a high maintenance client at the company that I was working at called Stockdeck, which was in mm. in uh, direct mail advertising. The thing was that Moose or Harmel was actually you know helping fund the company when they needed cash, so of course he was demanding, and so they gave him to me. And for the I think the first six months of dealing with him, he was just a voice on a phone. I had never actually met him. Even though we were only two blocks away, <laughs> that's right, boy. That oh, you're you're taking me back so long. I'm I'm having uh, a flood of memories from the good old days. I haven't even thought about that office, the one at the foot of Burrard Street, forever. That was, that was a good time. That was, those were really good times. Let me tell you what the best times were. So when you sponsored for a dinner, <laughs> those were really enjoyable. I think I got part of our fees back during the dinners. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Ray, uh, Ray, I'll, I'll let you finish with the questions so that we can get into some of the more funnier things. Yeah, no, I, I just, Harmel, I, I, you know, because, you know, on this podcast, you know, JJ's talking about these times, giving such funny, outrageous stories. I just wanted to get your take on what that time period in your guy's life was for you. Well, you know what? For me, it was uh, it was an exciting, exhilarating getting back to work time because just a couple of years prior, I had lost my mom and uh, gotten married. Things were bleak. Uh, some of my investments didn't work out, so it was a real challenging time. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, when things things go uh, go tough and things go south, you know, you you got to go north. You got to work. You got to roll up your sleeves, pull up your socks. And, get to the office early. And I remember getting to that office early and watching the float planes come in with a clear view of the ocean, the mountains. And it was such a delight to go into that office. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, we worked hard. We, uh, we uh, got behind some great ideas, some great companies, and uh, tried our best at building value, building assets, and uh, um, essentially creating some income for ourselves and getting back on our feet. So, and that was when when I met uh, the gorilla, and and Joe. Now that I think about it, you know, our friendship has 
you know, it started off in, uh, with business, of course, and uh, then it matured over time. We spent a lot of time together, and it's endured all these decades. And I got to tell you, it's a, a, a tribute uh, to you as an individual because I don't have a lot of long-term friendships, and the friendships that I have are based on integrity, based on sincerity, based on mm. the joy of speaking. And it, you know, this is why I'm here. So uh, I'm. I'm you know, having a good time right now uh, in, in my own mind, thinking about all those whole days. <laughs> yeah, no, that great stuff. No, that 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 rings very true. And then Jay, I'll I'll hand the questioning over to you too. So you know, get a little background on Harmel. Sure. Well, I'll, uh, just briefly, how I met Harmel was my boss. You know, sent him sent me to to work with him, and I always loved when they gave me the high maintenance clients because those are the guys that you could learn the most from. They had attention to detail, mm. and um, they knew something. So immediately, once I started talking to him on the phone, and my conversations with with you, Moose, were I think like the thirty seconds. You were like, "I need this, I need that," and you know, you had to hop. You didn't really have a lot of time for chit chat. Um, and uh, you know, then I remember um, you know meeting you in person. And I think the first time um, I met you in person was the time that, you know, my boss told me to take you and your office out for lunch. <laughs> At Joe Forte's. At Joe Forte's. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I, I learned very quickly that lunch was going to be expensive. Uh, <laughs> He showed up with this crew of people, and and my boss had just left me with the uh, company credit card, and he told told Harmel, he said, "Eat as much as you want, drink as much as you want," and boy, did they ever! <laughs> we certainly took advantage of that, didn't we, Joe? <laughs> I recall that being a very exciting afternoon. Yeah, it was about seventeen hundred bucks for lunch. <laughs> Back in the nineteen nineties. Yeah, I thought I was going to get fired. That was that was for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Dwayne, the uh, the boss at the time, he 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 was very good, and you know you you were actually keeping us going. So it was uh, it was it was a great it was a good experience. And then you know you kind of took me under your wing and uh, taught me a lot about the business and and how it works and 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 that sort of thing. And so I'll just you know I want viewers or the listeners to sort of get a sense of of how you started off and and a little bit about your journey. Oh, sure. My, uh, my journey, gosh, I've been in business now for four decades, believe it or not. My journey started out when I graduated high school uh, with mediocre marks, <laughs> went, went to Vancouver Community College, Langara, and my interest was in small business. So I took, I think I took the inaugural class. Uh, it was a small business focused class where you would learn everything about a small business, finance, marketing, um, accounting, uh, the whole, everything but a small business. And um, uh, as you know, I have a love of music and part of the curriculum was putting together a business plan. I thought I'd put together a business plan for a nightclub. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the, the one of the individuals, two of the individuals that were there, uh, they read my business plan and they said, uh, gosh, this is phenomenal. But, you know, where are you going to get the money <laughs> <laughs> for this amazing nightclub that you wrote a business plan on? Uh, and I said, sir, I, I just thought, you know, for the purpose, I would would have the money. Uh, just uh, And they said, hey, you got to wake up and smell smell the coffee. And, and they sensed the energy that I had. And they su- suggested, hey, you know what, a guy like you, should uh, be either in car sales or or the stock market. <laughs> and I, I wasn't too keen on car sales, so I decided that the latter suggestion would be what I would pursue. And of course, I was, what, 19, 20? Really no, no education to speak of other than a small business development diploma. So I started knocking on doors, and the only job I could find at the time and this was in 1980 or 81 the only job i could find was as a mailroom clerk a messenger for a a national brokerage firm at the time nesbitt thompson bungard and um, um i think i was on the 14th floor and for about a year i schlepped around the streets of vancouver 
walking up and down Granville Street, uh, um, every you know Burrard Street. I went to the mm-hmm. old Vancouver Stock Exchange. I used to deliver trading tickets and pick up blotters and so on. And I would watch the guys, uh, you know, the the uh, board markers on the on, on the on the uh, catwalks. Yep. And and, um, and I and I as I was looking around the brokerage firm uh, trading room and, and um, uh, the office. And I thought, oh, gee, that's, that looks like an interesting job, being a stockbroker. You know, I'd like to pursue it. So I asked the then manager, I said, hey, could I be get, get a job here? And he said, well, do you have a degree? Uh, no. <laughs> do, you, do you have any rich friends? Uh, no. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, and uh, I embarrassingly told him, and he said, "Ah, sorry, this 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 is not a place for you." So of course, I was not going to let somebody else dictate my future. Exactly. He wasn't going to decide what my what what uh, lay ahead for me. Uh, it was myself. I was going to decide. Anyhow, long story short, I went back uh, to um, the fellows that had read my business plan, and. Uh, so what do I do? He said, well, why don't you start applying for jobs? Okay. So I did. I went to every firm I could think of, every firm, from the, the really blue chip firms to the the bucket shops. I mean, every firm I knocked on. Remember Ann Marks? Remember that name, Ann Marks? Does that ring Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, you know that, you know, I... I was at the bottom of the, the barrel and uh, went to the, the top of the barrel. I tr- nobody would say yes to me. So I went back to the fellow, uh, Don Siemens, who I admire and respect and, and adore. He's such a lovely, love. I've stayed in touch. He's been my friend and mentor for all these decades, still to this day. And still he laughs at me when we meet every so often. <laughs> so he says, Harmel, you got to get together a resume, a nice looking resume, print it on the best paper stock you can find. And and, uh, and with that, go and see this fellow named Mr. Brown, Peter Brown. Oh, boy. And I got, I don't know how I got into that door. I can only uh, surmise and assume it was my good friend Don Siemens picking up the phone and and asking for a favor. And when I sat in Mr. Brown's palatial office, I looked at my resume. It hadn't been read. You know, how, you know, when you have a two pieces of paper and a stapled, when you, when you turn from mm-hmm. page two, there's a crease at the left corner. There was no crease. <laughs> and he, and I hope I'm not boring you. And no, no. You know, so he said, yeah, you're, you're hired. It was about an hour conversation. I said, fantastic. Who do I work for? Who do I work for? Yeah. No, you work for yourself. I said, what? I said, well, do you have a training program? He said, absolutely. Yeah, here's the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I jacked them apart. No, they, they sent me to the, the, uh, tr- the trading floor, and I spent some time on the trading desk. And I had plenty of clerical experience because part of my messenger duties involved being in the back office. So I literally started off in the mailroom, started off on the ground floor. And that was in 1982 when the Dow was at around seven, 800, when interest rates were 15%. And I was so excited. I just went to work. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, everybody else, I, I, I looked around, everybody else, they were lamenting about the times. The rates were so high. Nobody's buying, buying any investments. Oh, what was me? It was brand new for me. And everybody I called was a brand new experience. And um, I went from there. That's 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 amazing. It's uh oh Peter Brown. Wow, that does bring back memories. <laughs> yeah, he's a brilliant, brilliant individual. Yeah, he is definitely. I you know one thing I, I did notice about you, and it always stood out. You know, because Vancouver was, you know, we had the rounders, you know, the guys who would do deals, and and their time frame was usually three to four weeks. You know. Uh, and then I, I, I noticed when I went to your office how different things were. Um, it was almost, you know, run, you know, in a clinical manner. Um, you know, you're, you didn't have salesmen on the phone selling stock. You had investor relations people. And back in the day when investor relations actually meant something, where you actually 
you know, had a relationship with the investors that put money into your company and you built a relationship with them over a long period of time. Um, and I really, you know, how did that come to you? Is that something that you always just had in mind when, when you started? Or did you notice that, you know, all these guys are short-term guys? Maybe if I take the, the long view on this, that uh, I can do things differently? Well, that's a great question. Really good question. I, um, it, it, there's, there's no such thing as a quick buck, number one. And you can't build value overnight. You just can't. I mean, if, yeah. you're, in it, if you're in it for the, you know, in on Monday, out on Friday, great. But what are you going to make? You're going to make pennies. Um, I'm only interested in making dollars and uh, uh, big dollars at that. And the only way you can make big dollars is to have a genuine, honest, sincere intent that's grounded with integrity. You have to be a good person. Good things come to those who do good things. I, I you, Joe, you know me. I've been a big believer in karma. Mm-hmm. When you're a good person, you, you're, you somehow uh, attract good people, and over time, good things happen. So we're, we were not in it to win it in one day. We wanted to to uh, get uh, behind and involved with great investment ideas and and build them into successful enterprises. And and guess what, Joe and, and Ray, uh, when you're involved with the startups, startups are tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very very tough. The odds are against you. And when things go against you, you need your friends to be supportive and understanding. And and why not have your stockholders as friends? Why not tell them, hey. Here's the opportunity, and and here's the potential downside. And, and oh, by the way, here are all the risks are, that are involved. And people are willing to give you a chance if you're honest and and and, and upfront with them. So mm-hmm. we built out our our enterprise, our business based on on lasting friendships. We weren't in it uh, to be out of the game really fast. And that's why I'm around. I'm here. It is 40 years later. I'm, you and I are having this pleasurable conversation, and, and I'm. So thrilled again to be here. Yeah, I, I I really noticed that. That was the one thing that that stood out about your operation. It was very different. Um, you, you know, you had sales training and investor relations training on Saturdays. You know, when Vancouver was very much a, you know, you're in the office at seven o'clock, you're hungover, you go out after the close drinking and. Um, you know, most of these IR places had ex-brokers who usually had one or two or three bad habits, you know, and uh, I always noticed that you hired people who were not from the brokerage industry and they didn't have any bad habits. And that way you could sort of, you know, groom them, um, you know, into a proper sort of a business-like frame of mind. Um, and, and that stood out. It really, really stood out, um, you know. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. When, when people come when people used to come to us, I didn't want anybody with bad habits. Uh, didn't want anybody with baggage. Didn't need that. It was tough enough as it was. Yeah. So why add to your your turmoil and your headaches? Exactly. Yeah, I, I noticed uh, that was a big uh, and discipline. Um, you were one of the only sort of operations, um, you know, in venture capital in Vancouver at the time um, that had so much of an emphasis on discipline. Um, you know, and, uh, it really worked, it really, really paid off because you, uh, you know, the, the one thing I noticed is, you know, as I was growing up in the industry, watching how you operated, um, I'd watch how, you know, you do an offering or you do a financing and it would be oversubscribed. You'd have people, you'd be telling people, no, you know, I, I've run out of stock to sell, you know? Um, and that was a different story than most of the people who were running around trying to close a financing. Uh, Joe, you 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 may. I don't remember if I ever hit you up for a fine meal over my success formula. You know, I had lots of people um, ask me, "Hey, you know, how how have you done it? How have you done it?" And and I got tired of going through uh, an explanation because um, uh, I was asked so many times. So I put together, I wrote down a little formula that I would give people, and it's my success formula. I have it in my my uh, book that that just recently came out and uh my success formula is a is basically an acronym right with the first s meaning something the u meaning something 
and uh, the two S's in the middle meaning something. And, and, that, and one of the two S's means uh, self-discipline. And it's essential to building life-changing habits. Without self-discipline, uh, you know, it's a difference of, of laying on a beach for a day versus owning that beach. Mm, exactly. Listen, Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps, one of the greatest Olympians ever. The guy trained in one five-year period every single day, including twice on his birthday. <laughs> Talk about self-discipline. You exactly. need discipline. So. Yeah, it was a very, very obvious. Um, and, you know, and I've, and I think that's also made that comes out in, in your, in your deals, the way they're structured and the way they trade. Um, you know, if you're an investor in one of your deals, you actually give those people numerous chances to make money along the way. Um, you know, because of the longevity of the company. Um, and I, and I find that is a, that's a big difference and that keeps people, you know, coming back for more. Um, and, and I think that is also a, a part of taking the long-term discipline view and it, it really, it's something that I learned from you uh, very, very early on. Um, and the other thing I learned from you is, I mean, you didn't have the, you know, the benefit of, you know, a university, you know, a fancy university degree. Um, yet I could put you in a room with a microbiologist or, or an organic chemist and you could hold your own, you know, because you're so well read. Um, and while most people were out drinking and things like that, you'd be at home reading and making notes. And I, I picked up that habit from you as well. So that, uh, you know, I have to thank you for that. It's really helped, you know, sort of round out my education. You have to, learning doesn't stop when you graduate high school or college. You have to learn every single day. And um, by the way, just as, as you were saying that, what a treat that you offer your listeners with this podcast and, and um, what a joy it must be for those listeners to to be able to absorb all this wisdom that you're sharing with your I don't you know who else you've interviewed uh, in the past or will do in the future. But boy, for someone starting out or for someone in the business just getting you know in the middle of their career, what well, you can learn so much from others, and and that's why you have to be a lifelong learner. I mean, mm-hmm. you it does not stop, in my opinion. It's uh yeah it's it's one thing I I really found uh and and when you started out I mean and you made the transition from you know the market to commercial real estate tell tell us a little bit about that actually you know what I um I made that transition back in twenty oh four um I uh you know in the 2000s, 2006, 07. Of course, everybody remembers late 07, 08. And uh, I actually started making my transition uh, into hard assets because my wife and my father and my family members would start saying, hey, do you think you'd want to add a bit of a more secure component to the family portfolio? <laughs> you know, which mm-hmm. you, because uh, you know the 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 kinds of companies that I support, ideas that I support, are again they're they're karmically blessed because I I want to do things that uh, are meaningful to society. So just as a as a reminder, you know you might remember and it was a very sad time for me. My my mom passed away literally in my arms. My mom passed away in my arms, and uh, not too there not too long after that, I was you know I was clinically depressed. Yeah. And uh, by the time I got back on my feet, um, an opportunity came by to develop a bio-artificial liver device. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I did that with a lot of help, worked with the uh, U.S. government, the USDA, with some amazing scientists that had developed a, a cell line that could replicate hepatic functionality. So I always believed in doing things like that that, that could benefit you know, my mother lied in my arms. I didn't want someone else to go through what I went through. And but the challenge with things like that is they're it's cutting edge. It's high risk, and uh, it can be very, very tough. And um, so I, I guess I was maturing myself. So I decided to listen and heed the advice of those people that loved me. And I decided to, and you know, there's uh, 
the early stage companies are just fraught with peril. The yes. fraud and tribulations all the time. So in 04, I started looking around uh, at real estate. I had some experience. I started making some connections and contacts. And in 05, I found an idea that I wanted to pursue. It was actually in North Vancouver. Uh, and uh, the, there's an elderly chap that had um, found the property, built the building, brought in tenants, and his wife had passed away, and he was looking to he was in a different phase of his life. He wanted to sell a building, so so I uh, I uh, when I met him, uh, I told my agents, "Hey, you know what? You you make this lovely man a fair offer. You make him an offer that he can't refuse because I don't want to be known in real estate, or for that matter, in any business of being a nickel and dimer. Mm-hmm. You, you, you treat people with respect, you get respect back. And, and we offered him a a, a a price that he just absolutely couldn't refuse, and and uh, and uh, he accepted on the spot. And by the way, there was a closing dinner. Uh, that the, you know, <laughs> and it, wasn't, it was not me at the head of the table ordering all the fancy drinks. I invited him. Uh, and uh, so, anyways, I digress. So I got into real estate in '06 and in '07. Uh, I bought some more assets. I owned uh, four properties by that time in, in downtown Vancouver. One of the most beautiful cities in the world. I don't know how far your listeners are, but you know Vancouver is definitely a, a, a gorgeous, stunning place. And uh, so, over time, uh, I have mostly done real estate. Uh, in fact, I was divesting uh, from my various equity interests, my my private company interests, my investments. I was just uh, divesting and selling. Uh, Till about 2012, um, 14, when I basically had two companies in my portfolio and just real estate. And from about 2012, 13, around that, around that time, 14, until about just recently, I've just primarily been real estate. And it's been a really exciting, interesting uh, time for us. You know, we've generated what some would regard as uh, as incredible returns over the last period uh, last 15 years or so oh that's great I, I i still remember you know going back to the public company the first deal that you did and you took it successfully from the over-the-counter bulletin board the otc bulletin board to nasdaq to full nasdaq and i i still remember being in the office with you and we were watching cnbc and when the ticker went across CNBC, that was something else, you know. Um, yeah, that, that was, was, you know, that, that was, was in the mid '90s, I believe. Yep, that was that was MCAR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, Ray, should we? Uh, we'll, we'll let you. Uh, we'll let you hop in here and ask a few questions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I was uh, really enjoying that. You know. Some of the things Hamel you were talking about, you know, long-term view, building value, ethical discipline. You know, a lot of people I think get a misconception of how people obtain success or wealth with being manipulative, shady, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that was just really encouraging uh, to hear from someone who has had the level of success like yourself. Um, Because yeah, for some reason, you know, and it's even like what me and JJ um, involved in with, uh, you know. Uh, retail trading, you see a lot of new people think they're going to come in and be successful right away. And it's just such a false uh, conception. And so I was really, I uh, just really enjoyed hearing you uh, say that. And so um, I just want to ask you, what was, uh, do you remember your first impressions of JJ when you first met him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, at the dinner, at the luncheon, yeah. <laughs> Is that before? The cognacs came out or after. <laughs> now, JJ, I tell you what, the reason why JJ and I have remained friends over such a long period of time and we vacationed together and spent uh, uh, good times and bad times together is, is uh, uh, JJ has um, integrity. Mm-hmm. And if, like Earl Nightingale says, uh, who's one of my greatest philosophers um, that I've listened to for, for decades, he he says, if there's ever a secret of becoming su- uh, successful, is to have integrity. Mm. And if I were to describe Joe in one word, that would be it, integrity. This man 
is a, um, you know, you can give them a million bucks and you're going to get a million bucks back plus uh, a point and a quarter interest on top. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's that's how I saw Joe from day one, a guy that was generally honest and sincere. And he would tell you the good, bad, and different. He would tell you the truth. Even if it hurt, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's that's a key. That's uh, so, and that's why that's a rare quality because people are more interested in expeditious outcomes versus right. waiting and doing it the right way. Right, right. No, absolutely. I think I think that's what you know, especially all the people JJ mentors uh, and teaches really appreciate is that he he does he he tells it to you the way it is, not how doesn't sell you anything and just being real with people. And I know people appreciate it because I appreciate it. Um, and so, so Harmel, you're the chairman to two publicly traded companies, uh, Solar Window and Renovacare. Uh, tell us a little bit about those companies and what drew you uh, to them. Oh, well, um, Solar Window was actually an idea that I came up with oh. when, uh, when I was visiting some scientists uh, about a biotechnology idea they had. And out of the blue, as I'm waiting there for a meeting, it, uh, I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking, gosh, wouldn't it be great if if that passive window could, rather than being just something doing nothing, ordinary, be one that would be generating electricity. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of the world's, the idea of the world's first transparent electricity generating window. And for the first half a decade that I was supporting it, uh, it was a failure and a uh, total flop. Uh, in fact, I remember, I remember my CEO at the time. I'm just a I'm just a stock, as you know. I, I've been just a shareholder for a long time in these companies. And he called me, and he and he was saying, "Hey, Harmel, I got nothing, nothing exciting, nothing new, nothing ground shaking, uh, ground breaking to share with you." <laughs> I said, "Great. So why the hell are you calling me?" <laughs> And he says, oh, I I need some money. I said, what? (laughs) And and people, and Joe, you know this because you've asked me many times. People (laughs) ask me, you know, you barely got through high school. You've got a a minuscule amount of education compared to others, relatively speaking. How do you do what you do? And for the longest time, I couldn't answer that question. I didn't know how to how I was doing what I did. And then, then one day it, it dawned on me that I, I make my decisions oftentimes instinctually versus intellectually. And so when I, when our CEO for Solar Window, which by the way, as you know, is a public company, uh, when he said, hey, I need money, I, I leaned back in my chair that afternoon and uh, I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to send him. So I sent him $3 million that afternoon. And that was just the right amount of money that he needed to start basically breaking uh, um, um, breaking the the shackles that ha- that had held him back. He was able to create technologies to make technologies, and before we knew it, we're setting records. Before we knew it, uh, he's presenting our technology to the members of Congress. Before we knew it, uh, we're collaborating with uh, the U.S government, the National Renewable Energy Lab. And today, if people were to go to our website, solarwindow.com, people will see something so amazing, a piece of glass, a transparent piece of glass that generates electricity. And what's so exciting about this, Ray Mm -hmm. and Jay, Ray and Jay, (laughs) is independent parties have said to us that if you were to clad a, a tall tower, like for example, a midtown 50-story tower in Manhattan, 150 feet by 150 feet, 50 stories high. And if you were to clad that tower based on independent calculations and modeling, the windows, our electricity-generating windows, would generate enough electricity to offset that building's electricity needs by up to 50%. Wow. Wow. Imagine the enormity. You know, in the United States, uh, landlords like me, we spend about $150 billion a year on electricity. Most of it made by fossil fuels, burning mm. fossil fuels. Imagine the potential of cutting that co- uh, that number in half. Imagine 20%. Imagine just 10%, right. 15 billion dollars a year. Right. That's enormous. And that's what's, that's what's 
motivated me all these years. Uh, again, when you're a good person, when you go, when you do good things, invariably good things happen. And, and recently, our our office, you know, we invested another twenty odd million. So we're, you know, we, you know, we we put our money where our mouth is, and I'm so excited. The other company, Renovacare, which is oh, it's a godsend in my opinion. Um, uh, that t- that company has a pre clinical experimental device called a skin gun. Essentially what it does, it takes a thumbnail-sized skin sample of your own, goes into that device. 90 minutes later, your own skin skin stem cells are being sprayed back on you. Hmm. And, uh, you know, JJ, uh, you've read uh, Tony Robbins' book. He just rips apart Wall Street. You know, Wall Street's crooked. You can't make money over any 10-year period. Most guys are... Uh, only ninety, only four percent of professional investors make money, and over the next ten year period, that four percent is not the same part of the next four percent. He just, 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 just rips mm-hmm. through the so called professional money managers. And near the end of his book, he talks about world changing technologies, and the first one Ray that he talks about is uh, Renovacare in wow. Tony Robbins' book. Believe it or not, yeah. that's big. Wow. That's big. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So 70 people have been experimentally treated. There are peer-reviewed published studies uh, talking about the the exciting outcome. Some people have come into the office, uh, uh, the hospital, uh, and then in a matter of days have left, avoiding skin graft surgeries and, and, and pay, painful recovery and medications and rehab and so on. Wow. It's exciting. I want to do things that are meaningful to society. And in that company, late last year, we... Uh, we put in uh, $15.5 million on top of the five or six we had already in, 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 before that. So, again, we, you know, we're in, in this in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's very exciting. You know, I, I can just feel and hear the passion in your voice about it. That's, and just what you got going on with those, that's it's right. incredible. Yeah. Know, Mark, I'm going to interrupt you respectfully yeah, to tell you one more thing. I, I was looking for a parking spot recently. And where I park, I wanted to get a second one. And the lovely lady said, uh, there's no, no parking spots available. In fact, there's 30 people ahead of you <laughs> or 20 people. I can't remember. And of course, uh, as uh, the gorilla knows, I don't give up. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> so she puts me to the manager and I, again, same thing. <laughs> and she said, look, I got to take a lunch. I'll call you back after lunch. And I said, look, I'm a good guy. You know, you uh, blah, blah. She calls me after lunch and she says, Harmel, okay, two things. I said, what? You got your parking spot. <laughs> I said, thank you. I said, what's the second thing? She said, I Googled you. And she says, what's this skin gun thing all about? And I said, well, why do you ask? Skin gun, of course, the name of the technology with Renovacare, which is also public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, why do you ask? She says, when I was three years old, our family was in an accident. I lost both of my parents and I was burned really badly mm-hmm. and uh, I had to get skin grafts and guys, I don't know if you know this, but when you're a child um, getting a skin graft, not only do they, is it very painful because they, they take a chunk of your skin from a good part of your body. They stretch it out to put it on the burnt part. And as a child, as you're growing, that skin does not grow with you. So as you're as you get a little older, they, they have to rip that skin off oh. and then take other skin wow. to do it again. So she says, Harmel, I, I know I know the pain and suffering of skin graft surgery, which is the gold standard. She says, uh, good for you that you're doing this. Good for you because um, people like me could benefit from that. And, uh, and she said, I wish you the best. So that's why we do it. But for little girls who get burned and they don't have a an alternative like ours, when it gets, I'm hoping fingers crossed. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah, Harmel, you said there's something you said in that. You said you make most of your decisions instinctually. Did I hear you correctly? That's 100 percent correct. So, how because you seem like a very calculated individual, good like good strategist. I mean, it, is this, is that something you try and balance, or like just just expand a little bit more on that? Because I found that interesting. Well, you definitely have to. Uh, 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 Joe and I talked about this. You know, there's a big difference between speculating and gambling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I don't, I don't gamble. When I go to Vegas, I, I go to watch the shows. <laughs> yeah. I, I speculate. And of course, you've got to do your homework. You've got to know what, what you don't know. And, and uh, you've got to read, study, and then read, study, and let some time go by and do it again. However, there comes a time when, you know, you, you just have to get off of first base. You'll never get to second base if you've got your foot stuck on first because you, you can't make a decision. Mm, that's true. So I'll, I'll give you a story, a, a prime example. I, uh, I bought this building in Gastown. Uh, the, the vendor had just bought it, and they had it on their books for $15 million. And this is in 06. And I, uh, um, the sales team that took me there, they had me actually sit across the street from the building, and there, there, was, a, there was a fashion school in there. So... So we were looking at all these beautiful people coming out of the building and looking around. I think, gosh, that's really nice. And I said, hey, let's make them a fair offer. Let's make them a good offer. <laughs> and we paid 20 for it. That was a $5 million lift in seven months or so that they had it. And I, I just felt, I, I didn't look at what they, you know, I don't care what they paid. It's none of my business. I don't look over somebody else's fence. Mm-hmm. And it just felt right. That was the one example of how instinctually I jumped at an opportunity and, you know, knock on wood and salt over the thing to the right shoulder, it worked out for us because um, um, it was worth substantially more a few years later. So, yeah, you have to do your homework, of course, but then sometimes you just got to say, you know what, damn, that's a good opportunity and, and jump at it. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, uh, you know, I asked that question cause that, that's something I, I even battle with myself with is what like almost questioning my intuition and then having a tendency to overanalyze if the, if that makes sense to you. Yes. It does yeah. make sense. Yeah. 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 So, so no, it was neat to hear. So, you know, Harmel, you've, you've reached a great level of success, you know, business financially, and you're still working, grinding. What's your motivation now? <laughs> Uh, you know, because most people would be like, oh, I would be in the Bahamas, you know, chilling, smoking cigars, you know, what, you know. Right now with the rain outside, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, you, I, I think the, you know, if you look, if you get a chance to get a copy of my book, uh, Double D Returns, I want to, I wrote that book to share uh, what. What I've done, what I've accomplished, what I haven't done, what I've failed at, everything. I, I, it's a complete, uh, you know, it's my formula, essentially. And in Chapter 8, I talk about actually my formula. And the very first thing is the, the letter S in success. You, 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 the S stands for sense of direction. You have to have a goal. When you stop having goals, Ray, when you don't have a purpose, Man, it's like the you know the the big ship that's parked in the in the in, in the in the port it doesn't have anywhere to go. So what starts happening? It starts rusting. The motor goes. This and that that beautiful ship becomes nothing but a, a you know bucket of rust. So I don't want to be parked <laughs> in my port with nowhere to go. I want to be charged up, and 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 uh, and i i want to reach for something it's amazing people when for example when they write when they're writing a book uh, I, jj I, I i can't wait for yours i know you're in the one. <laughs> uh, i can't wait for it make make sure i'm on the top of your list definitely uh, well you're often, in it <laughs> oh, yeah. oftentimes when people are writing a book they come up with an idea for their second book you know <laughs> and the third book so you have to have somewhere to go you have to be striving reaching Otherwise, you get, a tree is either growing or it's decaying. I want to mm-hmm. be the tree that's always growing. Right, right. Does that answer your question, Ray? Yeah, no, no, it does. It, it does, for sure. I mean, and since you mentioned uh, your two books, which you self-published, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why, why don't you speak about those? Oh, well, the first one I'm, uh, I'm completely embarrassed about. <laughs> the first one is, I, uh, uh, it, it, you know, I'm, a, as you know, a transparent person. I, I uh it had a, a um, the first one had a marketing uh, agenda. It was written to to highlight some uh, real estate investment funds that we were contemplating at the time. And I don't like hidden agendas. So when I sat down 
late last year, I said, you know, I don't know, I'm going to, and that book was co-written by a friend of mine, a really good friend, uh, Bob Bly, who is uh, an amazing, amazing writer. And uh, you have to forgive the, my uh, telephone in the background, I apologize. Um, so when I sat down to update it, to take out those marketing messages, <laughs> this I said this is a uh, this is crazy. Uh, so I uh, decided to throw it out the window and and I started on a, a brand new one. And it, it talks about how I began in the mailroom. Uh, it, ta- it talks about the main reason why people should invest in real estate. Chapter two is is boom. Uh, it's about population. Joe, you know uh, mm-hmm. when I was born, there was what I don't know three billion people in this world. Today, there's about seven odd billion. Uh, people are there there's more and more uh people born every single day in fact in in canada i think there's uh this country country grows by one person every 75 seconds wow. the u.s is every one every 17 18 seconds china is one every i don't know two seconds so countries are growing by the second by the minute uh germany is at one person every three minutes these people have to live somewhere work somewhere, play somewhere. So that's the main reason why you need to get into real estate because the the, the chart is in your favor. Mm, yeah. And, you know, everybody, and this is something you guys would love uh, as professional investors. I talk about, you know, everybody says it's all about location, location, location. I, I disagree. Of course, location is important, naturally. But there's something more important than location. You want to know what it is? Yeah. What's that? Timing. Mm. You could have bought the best house in the best street in the best city in 2007. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 2008, 2009, that house is 50, 50% lower. And in the U.S., um, two-thirds of all homes have yet to reach their pre-peak values. Wow. So timing is much more important than uh, um, location. Hey, how many people bought uh, Microsoft at the beginning of this year? It's up 40%. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Timing, timing, timing. Uh, and uh, you know how many people bought Uber? <laughs> 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 Anyways, I, I could go on and on and on. So uh, I rewrote it, uh, Ray, to answer your question, uh-huh. to, to truly share what matters. And I... I, and I'm tired of people getting, uh, you know, listen, I was a stockbroker. You never asked me why I left the brokerage business. Mm, good question. Yeah. I left because the hypocrisy got to me. Think about this. Here I am, a kid, 20, 21 years old, being hired to give professional investment advice. I'm living at home, taking the bus to work. Tell me where I make <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Right. Warren Buffett says Wall Street is the only place where someone com- coming in on a bus uh, on a subway gives advice to people in a Rolls Royce. That's true. Wow. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's just why people, uh, people, or, I don't know, investors. I listen. This is my. I, I'm hoping with my book, people can level the playing field a little bit and. And, and, and look, with your eyes closed, you can get 8 9 10% right now. And uh, so I did it to share. And, and, and Ray, I'm not the, the, uh, the guy that can't swim giving swimming, swimming advice or, mm-hmm. or the guy that's a bit obese giving diet advice. You know, I'm a guy that, that's done it from the ground floor. So I think I'm, I'm, I have the right to give this kind of, especially since we've been generating, what, 40 plus percent a year in our equity going on a decade and a half. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think just people not knowing anything about you, I mean, it's transparent just listening to you talk. You can feel it. And what I want to ask you now, Harmela, because you're married, two kids, you have a family. What what are your thoughts on a work-life balance? Oh damn, that's that's a tough one. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, me, me and JJ, we talk about this all the time, and we don't. Me and him don't know how to do it. You know, it's like how you know. Well, I will. I will. T- <laughs> I, could, I will tell you that the best, th- the mind works best when it's rested. Mm-hmm. 
you have to have time off because you cannot be working all the time. And when you are working all the time, you have to have a reason why you're working. If it's just for the money, uh, uh, you're not gonna be. You're gonna be a very miserable person. That's true. You 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 know, money's yeah, money's important. It, it puts your kids through school. It it, it allows uh, uh, us to enjoy all the all the niceties of of modern life and all that. But you know what? You have to put it in perspective. It's it's not everything. I think you have to force yourself, just like JJ when he was. Uh, looking like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he found the time to go to the gym. And I think we have to find the time to say, you know what, On uh, from this time to that time, uh, the phone's off, the internet it's off, the, my outlook's off. You just got to rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how has a failure, Harmel, or an apparent failure uh, set you up for uh, later success in life? Well, first of all, I think everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, big believer of, be, believer of karma. I think there's another level of consciousness out there. I really do. And things are meant to be. Uh, my failures, as I look back and, and analyze uh, some of my failures, I, I, I think uh, um, uh, um, there's someone above that, that has decided what their, our life is. Things do not, do not happen by chance. Not, they don't happen by accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, even this conversation today, this was meant to be. And when you fail, it's meant to be because there are lessons in it. There are lessons that you can take and and uh, learn from and, and grow with in the future. So failure is an inevitable part of living and life and growth. If you don't fail, how you, listen, you learn your best lessons through failure. Very true. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I get stronger when I fail. The, yep. the best education here is better than going to university. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's what yeah, but that's what we were saying before, Jay, right? The best school is the, the what the school of hard knocks, right? The best Exactly. One. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um Harmel, uh top three book recommendations or had the most impact on your life. Oh gosh. Uh well I'm I'm a big Big, big, big fan of Earl Nightingale. So anything from Earl Nightingale, uh, this, this, you know, there's lots of guys out there in the marketplace um, that are, you know, self-development coaches and this and that, and 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 if you if you study what they're what they're uh, teaching, it all boils back down to what what has been taught. Uh, Many years and centuries before us, you know, you you uh, you, you become uh, what you think about all day long, and this is a big proponent of a big teachings of Earl Nightingale. So Earl Nightingale is is top ten, uh, top three for sure, for sure. So any uh, uh, the Stranger's Secret, uh, uh, the uh, I can't now I'm lost for for titles, and you know I read a lot, and I came across a book just recently. It's incredible. It's by Joe Dispenza, and uh, Joe Dispenza is an amazing individual. One of these days, I hope to shake his hand, and he talks about how uh, you can literally change your life by changing your thoughts and how you think and how you uh, and 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 how your feelings are. Uh, so that's an, an, another book that I uh, that I just like literally just recently picked up. Do you, Do you remember and, the title? You remember the title um, of it? You know what? Off the top of my head, I don't, but uh, I will get it to JJ. Uh, oh, uh, you are the placebo, or something like that. Joe, Joe Dispenza, D I S P E N Z A. Okay. And again, it's it, it, it's what Earl Nightingale's been telling you. You become what you think about, and he says, at this moment, right now, you are the the living embodiment of the sum total of all your thoughts at this point, and. Next week, you'll be the living embodiment at that point of your, of your thoughts. So what he says is, is basically your thoughts control your life. So if your thoughts are haphazard, chaotic, helter-skelter, that's what your life will be. If your thoughts are positive, energized, compelling, and positive, that's what your life will be. Your thoughts predict your, your future. And that's a, I think that's the biggest lesson I've, I've ever learned. And, and I 
you know, I th think about that every single day, and I try to keep my thoughts as positive as I can, even when things are not going so well. Sure, I believe that. Um, so J JJ shared with me a uh, a funny story when you guys were in uh, Turks and Caicos, uh, involving some scooters. You, you remember this? <laughs> yes, you know, uh, I like and J uh, JJ likes. We, we uh, if you've watched the. Uh, read about these famous people like Zuckerberg and and Mr. Gates. They they take time to go away to think to reflect to recharge. You know this is that part about uh, resting. Right. And I like to do that, and I like to go to a beach resort where there's nobody around, where nobody can get a hold of you, and and just sit and reflect and think. And and one year I was blessed to. Uh, have the privilege and the pleasure of hanging out with, with JJ here. And we decided to rent some scooters. And, uh, you know, JJ's a, a big boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the Turks and Caicos doesn't have much of a hill because it's pretty flat. But the one hill that we did find uh, was, uh, uh, was enough to uh, literally uh, uh, extract the life out of that scooter. <laughs> And I knew there was something wrong when JJ sat on the scooter and, and, and the tire <laughs> went flat at the bottom. It was no longer round. <laughs> and God, I don't know how that scooter got up that hill. Oh, jeez. And the hill was maybe a, a three-inch, uh, three-percent grade. <laughs> that was a fun time. I'll never forget it. It, it was a beautiful time because I got a chance to spend – uh, you know, we hung out. We didn't do much. We we drank. We ate. We just we ran around. It was probably one of the best times I ever spent, and and I was so recharged uh, mentally and physically uh, when I got back home. It was it was wonderful. It was, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, last question I got for you, uh, Harmel, is um, when when is your DJ career uh, going to take off? <laughs> you know, JJ, let me tell you something. I've been a fan of of mixing music since I was in high school, and uh, then one 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 day we, it was a nightclub in one of my buildings, and 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 I, I threw a party for my daughter, and the DJ, famous DJ, local DJ, says, "Hey," because uh, every time we did a mix, I would be interested. Oh wow, wow, that's so nice. So why the hell are you, why are you listening so intently? I said, "Well, this is my love. I don't I don't play golf. I don't." do whatever i just love the mix so he says oh yeah i'll set you up so he set me up with my my uh technique 1200s my serato 57 sl so for all the djs they know what i'm talking about and, and gave me seven thousand of his songs so that got that got me set up quasi professionally and then i did something crazy i put actually i put a nightclub in my house <laughs> I had the engineers come in and, and i uh and so my problem is, and uh, uh, my problem is, I I don't have the time. And I even went down to LA recently to learn how to scratch with DJ Hapa. Really? And, yeah, and a couple <laughs> other and, and DJ Revolution. These guys are just insane. My problem is time, 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 time. Uh, yeah. And and for those DJ fanatics, I've now upgraded my mixer to the uh, brand new Serato sixty two, the, the digital turntable. So I'm really into this. Uh, <laughs> I know it's funny, uh, but it's my only joy. <laughs> it's funny. Harmel has two brothers, and they're older, and and they both have nicknames too. One's Beaver, and the other one is Sammy Davis Jr. And I shout, I give them both shout outs. But they told me that he built a uh, a nightclub in his house, and I and I didn't believe them at first. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my neighbors love me. <laughs> yeah, neighbors love you. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, sh shout out to Beaver and Sammy Davis. That's 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 funny. Oh man, uh, Harmel, man, I, I you know, it was a pleasure having you on. The amount of wisdom you shared uh, was great. I mean, I really enjoyed this. Uh, JJ, any parting thoughts? Ah, oh, no, it was just it was it was a pleasure, and it, it's always nice to go back uh, to the people who who mentored you and taught you business and. 
and also Harmel and his family were, were there when I stumbled and fell. And, you know, there was, there was a time I, you know, I didn't have a car, uh, after nine 11 and his older brother, uh, Sammy Davis, you know, uh, Jeffrey, he used to drive me to work every morning, you know, and I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, much love. You know, I was always treated as sort of like an adopted younger brother. And uh, I always appreciate that, you know. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Armel, any, anything uh, for our listeners before we uh, we sign off? Well, uh, DJ, you know, Joe Fortes is still open. <laughs> <laughs> so, where's the next lunch? Yeah, we, uh, we'll have to find somebody to nail. I'm sure you've got a lawyer or somebody who's been getting some good fees off of you. <laughs> I got a few of those. I got a half a dozen. And this we'll have Ray. Oh yeah, we haven't initiated Ray oh, to buy God. lunch. Oh God. Well, I mean, I'm like five thousand miles away, so I, I don't know. That's a that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You can you know we'll fly you up. Yeah. You know. Oh God. Oh God. Well, Harmel, really appreciate it once again. And so my pleasure. So for the gorilla, for the moose. I'm the Gator. Stay safe out there. Have a good night. Bye-bye.